Maybe that's it. Good morning, everybody. Um, yeah, I joined along with Houston talking about it being a, a pretty Lord's Day out there. Um, I'd like to thank everyone for the calls and texts and uh, whatever way that you've shown concern about my parents. Um, my dad had a surgery and it was successful. He's 89, so that was kind of touch and go to begin with. And he came through that successfully and then we had the weather. We had some bad weather Friday and about one o'clock we had a big gust of wind over at my parents' house on uh, they live close to the nuclear plant in Limestone County, close to Tanner. And my grandmother, uh, when she was four years old, with my great-granddaddy, uh, as a little project together, they, they planted an oak tree right outside, right beside my, uh, my it was there, at that time, it was my great-granddaddy's house. And uh, they planted it right by the back porch, and which might not have been that smart, you know. So anyway, a uh, hundred and four years later, uh, Friday, um, the tree is just huge. I mean, it's just huge. And my dad had topped it off about 15, 10, 15 years ago. We tried to talk him into going ahead and, and doing away with that tree, but we just couldn't do it. And anyway, a gust came up yesterday, uh, Friday, and it completely demolished their house. Uh, the good news, and I'm thanking the good Lord that they were not uh, killed. Uh, my, my parents were in the back part of the house or toward the back part of the house. And so they were, they were saved. I think my brother was outside. He lives with them. So, you know, the good Lord uh, giveth and good Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. They're, they're safe. And that's what matters. And um, I tell you what, you're not going to take anything with you in this life. So we need to take that into to heart and, and make that a part of our everyday thinking and living and lives and uh, don't worry so much about uh, the things of this world. So, uh, you know, I've got, uh, I got a front row seat of that over the weekend. So uh, anyway, didn't mean to get into a testimony here, but uh, everything is okay and I appreciate everything that I think some, of, some people even offered to come and help, but uh, I, they've got a tree cutter over there and they're taking care of that part of it, but just continue to pray for us. It's gonna be a long several months to get everything situated there. They're in a hotel in Athens, my parents are. And uh, so everything's gonna be okay uh, with, with prayers and that, you know, we, we can't get through anything without the good Lord, can we? So we'll get uh, into our lesson today. Last week we studied the uh, lost sheep and the, lo and the lost coin and um, I don't think we're going to study any more about uh, those two uh, parables. We're going to move on 
to the latter part of Luke and talk about the prodigal son now. If you want to follow on along in your Bibles, it's uh, Luke 15, 11 through 32. And uh, so we'll read that and then we'll make some comments. Then he said, a certain man had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided them to them his livelihood. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a a severe famine in that land, and he began uh, to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he said to him, he sent him into his fields to feed the swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. Uh, just a quick, the, the pods is the tree pods, or like the beans, such as a mimosa tree has, or a carob tree. Uh, those are very common and it wouldn't be a really good thing to eat, by the way. So we'll continue on with the, uh, with the reading here. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired servants." And he arose and came to his, to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. So we notice the, the penitence here. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat eat and be merry for this my son was dead and is alive again he was lost and is found and they began to be merry now his now his older son was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house he heard music and dancing So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, lo these many years I have been serving you. I have never transgressed your commandments at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I may make merry with my friends. But as soon as, as this son of yours came in, notice that condescending language there, but as soon as this son of yours came in who had devoured your li- livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, but and all I have is yours. 
It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead, is alive again, and it was lost and is now found. This story here plays out in modern life and has played out in life probably through the ages. Um, we probably can all think of situations similar to this. Um, let's look at the context of this uh, parable. Jesus is eating with the publicans and the tax collectors, and he's being accused of, by the self-righteous Pharisees. And they taught the law, and they did, they did try to gain converts, but they were selective in who they were willing to accept as fellow heirs in God's kingdom. In other words, they didn't just want anybody to be a part of their uh, religion. They wanted certain people. So tax collectors and prostitutes, uh, they, didn't, they didn't accept. Um, they considered them spiritually dead in the religious community. And when they did make a convert, they were not interested in that person's relationship with God, but only in their outward appearance and traditions. And you can read that in Matthew 23, 15, where they felt that way. Uh, through this parable, Jesus reflects the composition of the audience. Each person who listens to this parable has to look in the mirror and say, which of these characters in the story of the prodigal son am I? The prodigal son represents social outcast in need of God. The oldest son represents all the self-righteous people in the world. And the father represents God. It is ironic that over and over again, Israel is represented as the wayward son. And time and time again, God accepts them back. Uh, we can read about that in many Old Testament. Just about every one of the major and minor prophets talk about how Israel sinned, they came back, they were, they were penitent, they were restored, and, and then here they go off again. Read the book of Judges. It's such a, I'm reading the book of Judges right now in my yearly Bible study, and it's so dark you just about cringe every time from one chapter to the next. But uh, anyway, uh, Israel was like that the entire uh, Old Testament. And you see that even in Jesus' time, and it really doesn't change a lot. The Jewish, uh, the Jewish religious leaders were unwilling to grant to common people the same forgiveness and acceptance that God had granted to Israel repeatedly in the past. Um, so, you know, um, they had the attitude of, you know, as long as you can forgive me, that's what matters. And uh, these other people, they just really don't count, you know. So Jesus is telling a parable to try to get this straightened out. And um, so we first want to talk about, after our introduction kind of here, is the, the younger son. The younger son is represented as restless and wanting, uh, and to, uh, he wanted to get away from his parental supervision. 
He asked for his share of the inheritance, intending to leave the family business. And we assume that this is a farming business, uh, most likely. And he just wanted to get out of there. He he'd kind of had enough of the oversight of his father and uh, all of the daily uh, chores and whatnot. And he wanted to just see if he could make it on his own, you know. Um, this was a serious breach of family tradition. Uh, the younger son, in effect, was saying he no longer wanted to work with his family, and he just hated to be doing all that daily work. He wanted to take his money and run, so to speak. Um, you know, I, I can see this situation playing out just all the time. Um, seen this in my life, and it's, I'm sure a lot of you have seen this. Um, this was a mark of disrespect to the Father. Of course, we're, we're uh, commanded to respect our father and mother, not only in the, uh, not only in the Old Testament and the uh, Ten Commandments, which are no longer in effect, but they've been reiterated in the New Testament when we're, we're still supposed to respect our father and mother in, in the Lord. Um, so this situation is, as I said, plays out. Uh, it's, it's been uh, played out many times, and um, I, don't, I don't want to say 100%, but I would say at least 95% of the time it never works out well for the one that runs away. Um, it's just uh, a show of rebellion, and, um, you know, uh, it's not, it's not a good thing. The price of a share, uh, the, the author talks about, uh, we're going back to Old Testament, Deut Deuteronomy 21.17 talks about the birthright. If you want to recall Jacob and Esau in that situation, Esau gave up his birthright for a portion of uh, uh, for a bowl of lentil soup or bean soup. So what did, what, did he, what did he give up? Okay, the oldest son got two-thirds of the inheritance, and the youngest son got a third. And I'm sure that would be proportioned differently on through if you had many, many sons. It, but the oldest son would always get a double portion. So he was probably giving up a third, as the younger son, he was giving up a third of the, uh, of the um, inheritance. And he was also not gonna even get that because he had not fulfilled his obligation as a, uh, as a son by staying there until it was the uh, time of his father's death to get that inheritance. So he was giving up even, even more by not uh, fulfilling his duty of being there the whole time. Um, he's gonna also be cut off from his family and be an outcast in the community. He forfeited any additional claim to the estate, no matter how prosperous the estate was, he would not get it in the future. He lost his name, standing, and prestige all throughout the community, 
and he was considered dead by his family. So you, this was a very important thing to have occurred to somebody back in this day. Um, he, uh, you know, he, he, he wanted to go, you know. I've seen this, I've seen this play out uh, many times. Uh, I want to go, I want to get out of here. I don't like doing all this, you know. So let's talk about the mistakes of the son. Um, youthful inexperience and idealism. It's always, the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence than it is here. And I don't have to do what the man tells me to do, you know. And I've heard that so many times, I'm sure you have too. Lack of discretion. Uh, when you're younger, you don't have the decision-making ability that you have when you get a few decades on you. You know, I guess if we're, if things are going okay for us in life and we're not just, uh, I don't know, I don't want to use the word stupid, but if we're not, if we're trying to live with good godly wisdom from one decade to the next, then we're going to have better discretion or judgment as we get older. But when you're younger, it's like, I want that Corvette Stingray. I want that, uh, I want this, I want that. I want something that will make me happy right now. And you don't really think of the fact that it's going to be, you know, put you practically in where you can't even live because you ain't got enough money to get by on or whatever. But it, it makes you just feel like you, you find out that you really made a big mistake. It'll take you a while. But, um, so his mistakes was lack of discretion, inexperience, idealism. Another one is he had uh, readily available cash. So he got everything he needed and he was gone. And then what happens when you get a lot of money? You get a lot of friends. So you have a lot of friends, and then will those friends be with you when things go bad? Not likely. Uh, carefree, spendthrift, you know, the more money you got in your pocket, it's just burning a hole in it. So you want to get rid of it. After some time, the son finds himself in a bad position. As we see from our picture up here, he's, uh, the money's gone, his friends are gone, and a severe famine is taking place in the, in the land. So he's hungry and destitute. So what does he do? He goes and tries to get uh, hired somewhere. And where does he go get hired? He gets hired by a Gentile, and he's, he's, put, he's made to feed pigs. Well, what, does, what do we know about pigs and the Jews? Anybody want to? That's right, Frankie. They, uh, the to the Jews, the pigs are, um, you know, they're unclean. They were one of the unclean animals that God said not to ha not to eat. Of course, that's going to be that's going to be uh, changed in about Acts ten, where where the sheet of animals comes down and and. You know, Peter's told to kill and eat. That's going to all change, but not at this time. This is before that. Um, so he's he's clean. He's he's uh, cleaning the pig. He's feeding the pigs and doing all that. 
And what else about working for a Gentile? Well, if you work for a Gentile, they don't respect the Sabbath, so you might not get to even go to church, uh, go to the temple or the synagogue on, on the Sabbath. Um, you know, that same thing happens nowadays. A lot of us have to work on Sundays and we can't, can't go to church and everything, especially if we're working for somebody who really don't, they're not religious. Uh, and they just think, well, that's, so what, you got church on Sunday. But, you know, that, that was a situation with this Gentile here. He, he didn't care. He just, you know, feed my pigs whenever I want them. They need to be fed. So it would be difficult for him to return home with this situation. Um, so what would happen if he did try to return home? Well, the servants and hired men would probably mock him. Uh, the father might say, well, I don't want you back. You've run off, you know, and, uh, you know, look what you've done. Uh, the brother would not take this kindly. The community would scorn him. Um, he, he came to know his sin and was shamed by it. But uh, so his transgressions included uh, not honoring his father and mother. We talked about that as one of the commandments in Exodus 20, 12. But then it's reiterated in the New Testament. Y'all help me. Is it Galatians, Galatians or Ephesians 6? I get those mixed up. <laughs> Okay, thank you. There's an example of that, Brother Sam, um, where one of the Egyptian, I mean, one of the Israelite kids was uh, blaspheming God, and uh, he was stoned by the community. The, the Lord directed Moses to have him go and stone that young man. So, you know, things were pretty quick and sudden in the Old Testament like that, so. Mm -hmm. economy or whatever. Yeah, it really is because you, you, find, you find out that except for the father, there's problems really with all of these situations. The, the older brother should had the wrong attitude. He, he, um, he didn't earn anything, you know. None of us do. None of us do. We don't earn salvation. That's right. Oh, yes. Yes. Right. 
That's right. Because we have a Father who is willing to take us back no matter what we've done. Mm-hmm. He gave the younger son his inheritance, but he also gave the older son what he didn't deserve until his father was dead. Right. So his older son was not only working for his father, then he was working for himself uh-huh. because his dad had already given him the inheritance. Right. Good point, Brother Paul. Very good point. Any other comments? We're going to. Mary's uh huh. talk about this in a few minutes but you know the father doesn't just sit in the house and watch him coming down the road when he comes back and think and all the time thinking well am I going to accept him no he runs out there and greets him and and hugs him and been looking for him that's right Right. That's right. Unconditional love. That's what that's what we're talking about here. Unconditional love. So we'll move on to the Father. Uh, y'all are ahead of me, and y'all have done some studying yourself. I appreciate that. But uh, the Father is next. Um, uh, well, getting ahead of myself. We'll talk about him later. <laughs> Should have put another slide in there. <laughs> The father, by right, could have refused his son's request. Uh, But he didn't. He acknowledged his son's desire, granted his wishes against his own judgment, and he was no doubt deeply offended, yet he kept this to himself. He didn't seek out his son to bring him home unless uh, he did not seek out his son to bring him home, but just waited for him to come home. Unlike the lost sheep or the lost coin, the son had the capability of returning to his own house and to his own lost position. The father waited patiently and wisely for his son to reach the point where he is ready to return. As the son returned, he was opening himself up to public ridicule. The father rushes out to meet him and hugs him. Uh, He shielded him from Uh, much ridicule and rebuke by doing this. He kind of let the older son and some of the others that were in the the servants and and everyone, he let them know that I'm accepting this wayward son. Um, The son confesses his sin, acknowledges that he has done wrong, and he wants to be restored. 
uh, the father makes him feel right at home. The best robe is, is, uh, is put on him, and that traditionally was reserved for guests of high honor. The ring was put on him, uh, on his hand. It signifies authority and return to the position that he formerly had. The sandals indicate that he was a free man that was put on him, and the slaves and the poor, only they, they went barefoot, but the, uh, uh, the son would be uh, having sandals on. There's a fatted calf that is killed uh, for the son, and a big feast is done for the whole community. Um, so the, the older son, so we don't want to be like the older son. So uh, we, we need to, to, to hold off our jealousy. Um, so uh, the older son says, well, I've been a faithful son. Uh, I've served my father well. Uh, and he said um, he, he had been returning. He had returned from having put a long, hard day in. And... Um, he had a very envious attitude. When the older brother came home, according to the cultural rules, he would assume the position of the master of ceremonies as a celebratory banquet. But he couldn't do this. He couldn't be the master of ceremonies for his wayward brother. He refused to even enter the house. As the younger son insulted the, uh, the father many, many years by having done this, now the older son insults his father by refusing to honor his brother. And, uh, and, and uh, his father goes out to meet him, however. But the father loves both sons. He left the house to greet them, to greet them both. He calls both of them his sons. He was willing to give the rightful inheritance to both of them. Uh, but the older son is very spiteful. He saw, himself, he saw himself as a servant. All these years I've been slaving for you, Father, and this is what I get. He accuses his father of never giving him so much as a young goat. And it's implied that he never even asked his father for this. So why was he going to get one if he didn't ask for it? But I'm sure he did get, get he got everything he needed. Uh, this was just a real unjust accusation is what it was. His words were sharp and bitter, and he refuses to, to address his father as father. He calls his brother this son of yours. How many of y'all have ever heard your mother or daddy say, this son of yours did so-and-so today while you were gone, or this daughter of yours did so-and-so so, you know, maybe this is where we're, that it was gotten, I don't know. Uh, he implies that he had done sexual immorality on the part of his brother to denigrate him. Uh, so, you know, I don't know. He, he, the brother probably didn't know what he had done while he was gone, unless he'd been told. But, uh, you know, that was just something that, that was just an accusation there. These words must have grieved the father as much as, as it did the sons leaving him to begin with. The older son became really as spiteful as the uh, younger son with his original sin of leaving. Um, well, I'll 
Yeah. Yeah. Faith and works, right? Yeah. The lesson yeah. we've learned from this is not only do our actions convince, but our attitude. Mm. At the beginning of this, um, that's right, Brother Key. The, the, um, there are Jews that are complaining that the sinners, the tax collectors, are crowding in and getting too close. And so he's talking to his parables going to Pharisees and scribes, and he's really trying to say, You're looking at this person that sinned in a totally wrong way. You need to love them and welcome them back, that they are seeking to be better, that they are seeking to change their lives. That's right. They are seeking the Savior. Right. That's what he's looking for. He's ask, seeking, and knocking there. That's what he's wanting. And, uh, uh, you know, unlike that Old Testament that was just law after law after law, this one is on your hearts and how you treat people and just having a loving attitude and everything. Is that like I think has been said already. So uh, very good points there. And the, the uh, and then he was throwing off on the center for all these things that the center uh, I'm better than that center over there. His prayer, and I, 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 right? That that's right. Um, so we this story is left unfinished in a way. We know that there's an embrace by the father and the younger son, but it was Jesus' intention to describe the attitude of the Pharisees and teachers of the law toward, uh, toward tax collectors, prostitutes, and other outcasts. And Jesus is saying, what happens when a tax collector or a moral outcast repents? So Jesus is showing infinite love of God here to recognize, uh, he, he listens, his listeners recognize God as the Father. They knew that sin is always uh, that sin is always foremost a sin against the Father, and the Father's loving forgiveness shows the forgiveness of God when a sinner repents, and how the angels in heaven rejoice when someone is restored. Um, this parable uh, proclaims the good news of the gospel, and all those who turn. They're back on God and reconsider. They can be brought back into a loving relationship with repentance. So I'm gonna, we, cl we close this uh, three-parable study uh, with the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal son by saying that God values all of us 
as children of God and Christians and wants all of us to be saved. He wants all of us to return to him and not when we stray and he wants Christians to seek those who are lost and need to be restored. So uh, just a a takeaway is we need to try to get all of the those that need to be restored back in church if we can, and that's not only here, but throughout the brotherhood. So that's all I have, and uh, any more comments or questions, I think we're out of time, but we'll have another one of our men take over next week, and we'll do some more parables, talk about those. So thanks for your attention.